Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Four Press Podcast, presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and this week my special guest is Adam Woodard. Adam is a reporter with Golf Week as well as USA Today Sports. And in the podcast you're about to hear, we go over all of the brackets in this week's WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Championship. It's taking place at Austin Country Club in Austin, Texas. And hopefully our picks will help you a little bit more than my picks in my NCAA basketball bracket. Ohio State, no. Florida, no. North Carolina, no. Uh, Kansas, no. Syracuse, yes. Yes, go orange. We go into quite a bit of depth about why we like certain plays, which sort of groups and sections we think are going to be the most challenging for guys to come out of, which player of the top four, Dustin Johnson or Colin Morikawa, perhaps Justin Thomas, uh, John Rump, who is most likely to get tripped up and not even make it to the Sweet 16? All, everything you need to know, everything you need to know about the WGC Dell Technologies match play is coming right up. Now I'm like to welcome Adam Woodard back to the Core Press Podcast. It's uh, it's bracket time. Did you put down Ohio State? Did your bracket get busted pretty much within the first 12 hours of the tournament? Uh, I knowing Ohio State struggles at the end of the year and being realistic about their chances, I had them going to the Sweet 16, but nothing after that. So that got that hurt early on. But now that hey, now that you know my George Mason Patriots didn't qualify, Ohio State's out. The two teams that I would be rooting for are done. I am all about chaos, and I hope that happens this week at the match play too. It's the time of year where Syracuse natives are very smug. Um, it is a time when we annually either do one of two things, grotesquely underachieve as a, say, top three or top four seed, depending on what kind of year Bayheim is at, or we get dissed and everybody gives us the business about being on the bubble and, oh, you're just, you know, before this, you're in the ACC and they're caring, you know, blah, blah, blah. You used to be in the Big East. It's all running off reputation. Give them a 10 seed. Give them 11 seed. Thank you, Doug Gottlieb and all the haters. Thank you so much, Joe Lenardi and all the haters. We love you. The zone, the zone plays in March. The zone as, plays in March. It, it cannot as, be beaten. It's, it's like people have never seen a zone before whenever whenever it comes to March and it's against Syracuse. I don't I, know how Bayhawk does it every time. I love it so much. And um, as I was reading on a couple websites, there's nothing more that I like. It's this very subtle troll that I will go to the opposing team's hometown newspapers and read all of their their terrible quotes about how they feel they get. But read the coach, you know, give regret. So I was reading about you know, Huggins in, in the West Virginia paper. I was reading the San Diego papers about how they were just under, I, it makes me so happy. It's, it's, I realize it's really lowbrow. I realize it's trash talking. It's, but, but I don't talk about it. Um, I'm, I don't go up on social media. Of course, I'm not doing this in this podcast. It, yeah, may, it gives, podcast, it gives yeah. me so much joy. You can't <laughs> even understand it. Um, it's great. And sweet 16 and to the haters. Once again, I give you all of my love. 
Um, brackets now in golf, men's professional golf, obviously the PGA Tour, the World Tour. We've got a WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Championship taking place this week at Austin Country Club in Austin, Texas. Do you like this tournament? Do you like the idea of the guys playing match play? I want more of it. I love match play. I think having all the stroke play, obviously that's the way that golf tournaments go. That's the way it's always been. But I love match play. It's something new. It shakes it up. I love that it's at a WGC event, so it's even more an incentive for all the best guys to go play. Like I think this is like the, the tour has a, a lot of things that we'd like to switch, and everybody has their their things they'd like to do for commissioner of the day. I'd like to see another one or two match play tournaments. I don't think it would take away from the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup if we had maybe two or three of these year instead of just you know this one big one. I would like to see more of them. I think the guys like the change in pace from just being a normal monotonous four rounds of stroke play tournament, lowest score of the wind at the end. I think the match play adds a little something to it. I think it keeps a lot of guys in form. It flexes that muscle. You don't normally get the chance to flex. I love it. I wish there was more match play and song jack for this week. Yeah. And I think that the more match play that the, the people saw on TV and that we got exposed to, not just, you know, in the amateur ranks, we, we see Walker cup, we see Solheim cup uh, for the, for the women, obviously professionals. And we get Ryder cup and president's cup every other year for the top American men. Um, but this is the game that a lot of people play on the weekends. This is what you play with your buddies. We're, we're not going out there to say like, okay, you shot 92 and this guy shot 96 today. Um, it's I won two and one or three and two or whatever the hell it is. And it is a totally different mindset. It's to me, I love it too. I, I, I've always loved this tournament. I had a chance to go to it when it was around um, at Dove Mountain a few times in Marana, Arizona, back, back in the day. And that, to me, was always really fun. It's a slightly different format now in that we've got groups of players clustered together, um, as our colleague Eamon Lynch wrote about. And that can be in some ways good and that can be in some ways bad. We we don't have the single elimination on Wednesday where you know half the field is basically packing up and going home anymore. How do you feel about the sort of pod play, if you will, in groups and then one player advancing out of a group rather than the immediacy of single elimination, half the field's gone on the first day. I, I see it from both sides, honestly. I, I think, you know, and if, please go read Eamon's column. If you, if, he should be must-read no matter when he writes, but especially for this week. I love this one. Um, I think it does take a little bit away for the pool play. Now, I get it from the tour, from the WGC perspective. They want to keep the guys in for as long as time, for as long as possible. It's a five-day tournament. You don't want to see your best top guys go out on the first day. But at the same time, that's match play. Like that's what makes match play match play. And so I guess this is the, you know, hands meet in the middle, you know, everybody agree on, okay, well, this is what we're going to do to have the best of both worlds. You can have your match play tournament and you can have it's that way the big guys are going to stay around for at least three days. But at the same time, that takes away from kind of the spirit of it. And that takes away from, I think, what, what match play truly is at its core, which is 18 holes, your best versus my best on these 18 holes. We'll see who comes out on top. So, yeah, it's nice that, you know, if, you know, JT or, you know, DJ were to get, you know, drubbed in the first round or something, if something were to happen, it's nice to know you're going to get to see them at least two more times. But I would still love to see it go back to the old ways. Make match play Wednesdays worth watching again, uh, all for what Eamon said. I'm curious what you have to say. Obviously, you've been you've covered the game a little bit longer than I have. You've been around it more. You remember those days when it was like that. So I'm more curious what you have to say on this one. I'm not as old as Moses here. I mean, my gosh, I didn't like hang out with Herbert Warren. No, but but the match play era is when I've been around and and truly been following. Yeah, I I think that what what you lose when you've got best two out of three or somebody goes through and and does whatever they're going to do in sort of these groups is is you lose the immediacy and. Having been in, you know, obviously everybody loves Ryder Cup and what invariably comes down to Ryder Cup, which is match play, different formats of match play, but match play, um, is nothing happened, nothing happens, 
And then within about 45 minutes, the entire thing feels like it gets decided. Everything falls into place and bang, you know, one team wins. And what you're doing if in this type of format is removing to some degree the, the level of immediacy, the, the level of um, you have to get out of the gates fast. You have to win your opening round match. That we, we don't have that. If, for example, um, John Rahm starts out and has a bad morning on the first day, it's it's okay, fine. Like he can lose his first match, win his next two, and, and chances are, I guess he's he's probably going to move on. Like it gets into math at this point, but 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 he's got he's you're working with a net on the first day. Yeah. Um, I don't love that. I, I love the fact that there is um, this sense that you have to play well from the get go, and that's that's the way it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I, to, to your point, television hates that. You can't sell Golf Channel and NBC on the fact that there is a chance you're not going to be able to show Justin Thomas or you're not going to be able to show Rory McIlroy. You're not going to be able to show when we get to the weekend. And that's what they really care about. All this stuff at the beginning is gravy and is awesome stuff for golf fans. Like we're all going to be tuning in and streaming and doing all that stuff with and watching these matches because we see the head to heads. We're going to go over some of these things in just a second. They can't risk it. You know, they got burned so many times in the past with garbage, um, you know, all through respect. Yeah, but the hell, they were garbage. I mean, like it was yeah. there were some garbage matches and things that were just real snooze fests, and you can't have back when they used to play, you know, 36 holes and it was non-compelling players. You need to protect the stars for the entertainment value, and that's what they're doing. So we all know it. We don't have to like it, but that's the reality of it. And so, like, okay, yeah. you know, that that that's where we're gonna be. Um this is not one of those events where the golf course, all due respect, I love Austin, Texas. Nobody cares about Austin Country Club. I don't care about Austin Country Club. Maybe you do. Do you do you care about Austin Country Club? I love Austin as a city, but as far as Austin Country Club, yeah. I mean it's just it's just it's just another host for the tournament. That's that's, that's awesome, what it is for me. Awesome, awesome barbecue. So you've yep. got me right there. Fantastic music. Um, I've never been to a game, but it's on my bucket list to see a football game at UT. I would love I was there. I was there a couple of years ago for a bachelor party for one of my friends back when I was working at USA Today. Actually, they went to Maryland, and everybody in the everybody in the the groom's party and all that was Maryland grads, except for me and one other guy. So there were ten of us that went down there for the Maryland Texas game when Maryland oh. boat raced them by about forty. So that was my first ever experience at the uh, at the stadium there, and it was an incredible one. So I highly suggest once all this COVID stuff clears, if you're feeling safe about going there, go see a game at UT if you can. The tailgating atmosphere was awesome. The Texas fans were all pretty cool. They weren't really crazy after the loss. They kind of were like, hey, you beat us. We'll see you next year because it was a kind of home-and-home home thing. Maryland mm-hmm. beat them again. But, no, it was awesome. Like, it was it was an incredible thing to see. It was a fun mm-hmm. weekend. Um, so Austin is a great place to go. But yeah. as far as the, the host for this tournament, I mean, meh. It's it's hard to find a venue that logistically makes sense. That yeah. um, in COVID, you don't in, in the year of COVID, there are certain things that, from running a golf tournament standpoint, are extremely challenging. And some of them that actually turn out to be blessings when you don't have to build corporate villages and chalets, when you don't have to put up yeah. merch tents, when you don't have to have lots and lots and lots of people um, mm-hmm. that are going to be on site. It frees you up to really showcase your host venue. And we've yeah. seen that in a number of different areas. Um, I have no idea exactly how many people are going to be on site at the tournament. I would assume that it's going to be significantly less than there would have been under normal circumstances. Um, but when I think about this, a lot of times the venue becomes one of the stars of the show. To me now, the the format is the star of the show. And then obviously we've got 
just about all, there are a couple of notable exceptions, but just about all the top 64 players in the world are, are going to be here. Um, some players out, we obviously don't have Brooks Kepka. He's going to be nursing an injury, and we're hoping we get to see him at the Masters, although obviously from, again, Eamon Lynch's reporting, we don't know that's going to happen. And yeah. uh, I don't think that we can anticipate seeing him play next week by any stretch of the imagination. So we'll see that. Adam Scott is another notable that I always love in this format with the great ball striking, but the iffy putting makes for really good watching of of, of, uh, of match play events. Coming in, though, we have the four top seeds, if you will. And um, if we sort of take a look here, obviously it's, it's going to be Dustin Johnson, no surprise, in the number one spot. Um, Justin Thomas, two. John Rahm, three. Colin Morikawa, four. Which of those top four might have the dubious distinction of joining Virginia uh, alongside that list of number one or top seeds that could lose early. Which one of those players do you think, DJ, JT, Rom, or Morikawa, is most likely not to advance out of their group and at least get into uh, into the round of, what is it, the, the round of 32? Excuse me. That's an 16. easy one for me because it's Rom. Okay. Rom's the only one of the top seeds that I don't have making it through. The way I see it, I, I think you know DJ's kind of struggled. I think he, this is going to be kind of his bounce back. He's going to get through. I mean, talk about ball strikers. Colin Morikawa is that guy right now. I mean, he is that dude. Same with JT. Uh, if Ky Colin's putting, I know, has gotten a lot better. He's got his problems in the past. So if he can keep his putting at what it's been like for the last couple of weeks over five days, I think he could be really dangerous. But just something about John Rahm in this format. I know he, he likes to say he's passionate. Other people call it a temper or a bit of a, a, quick, <laughs> a quick fuse. I think in match play, that can go south really quick. And obviously, he's... He's had experience on the Ryder Cup. He's played against Tiger in a Ryder Cup. So he's been in huge match play situations. Um, this is not to take away anything from him as a player. This is all between the ears for me. This is all just up in his head. I think at times he's going to – I just don't see him getting through. I don't know why. Just something about me is saying that this isn't going to be the situation for him, especially having to play three matches to get through. I just I think it's going to be tough for John to get through. I agree with everything you said, except I take a look at the group that he is in, and I don't mm -hmm. see somebody that – I, I you, everything you just said you can say about Ryan Palmer, tremendous ball yeah. striker. Can't, I, I can putt better than Ryan Palmer. This guy's <laughs> terrible. Shane Lowry has shown a little bit of form over the last couple of weeks, but I don't know that I'm a big believer. He's the one. Sebastian Munoz again, you know that that's your number fifty six guy. I, I I feel that that, that Rom should just out talent the number fifty six player. So I I have Rom getting through his group. I actually think that Colin Morikawa is the guy who would be most vulnerable. And the reason why is Billy Horschel came off a really nice Florida swing, had some couple. He is somebody who is really gritty, really yeah. passionate, yeah. thinks that he belongs on the biggest stages out there. Obviously, he's won a FedEx Cup. He has won PGA Tour events. He is somebody who has got just enough experience and just enough feistiness still where I love him and players like him in this format. Yeah. Max Homa. One earlier yeah. this season on the PGA Tour. And JT Poston, who, again, I realize, comes in as the 63, he can really play. He can also – yeah, he's, yeah. he's really good. The thing that bothers me, and there's a couple of key stats that I'm going to make reference to in this podcast that are the real ones for me um, when it comes down to – they have a stat on the PGA Tour. They've got every stat on the PGA Tour website where it is birdie to bogey ratio. And yeah. for match play, that's exactly what you're looking for. Who makes a lot of birdies? And who avoids making bogey or worse? Um, right. JT Poston, unfortunately, for all those JT Poston fans out there, ranks T142 um, when, when it comes to birdie to bogey ratio. He only makes marginally more birdies than he does bogeys. 
But here's the thing in match play that can, you know, that's not what you want. I still think that out of that group, Morikawa has more of a struggle. Um, we know what I think what we're going to get from Billy Horschel. I think we're going to get somebody who, if he's putting well that day, is going to be a really tough out. And I think Max Homa has oceans of confidence and he should. So I think yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Morikawa gets through. I think he has the toughest road. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Dustin Johnson's in a group with Kevin Na. Um, Andrew Long with McIntyre. I, I I just don't see any of those guys staying with him. Um, Kevin Kisner, Louis Oosthuizen, Matt Kuchar, and Justin Thomas in a four-man pod group. is a really, fun really fun. That, to me, that sort of section, if you're looking at your brackets at home, that top right quadrant mm -hmm. is that, – that is the group of death. I mean, that that is the one, and I'm not a soccer fan in the least, but I do feel that I can steal that phrase. There are so many guys who, to me, feel like they could – they could win this whole thing and they're all hanging around in that zone. We'll get to them. Take a look. Do you have your bracket in front of you? Can you read to me your, uh, your sweet 16? Who do you got? Let's go top left first, that DJ one area. What, what are your top four guys coming out of the DJ area? Uh, top four guys coming out of the top left. I've got DJ coming through. Uh, I've got Mark Leishman coming through mm. after that one as well. Um, just looking at the brackets, something about that stood out. I think him and Sung JM are the two clear ones to come out of that spot, but I got a uh, leash coming through. This is this is I I got one that might surprise you here. How about Mackenzie Hughes coming coming out over Paul Casey and Webb Simpson? Right. I, with with how crazy March has been, as soon as I saw Mackenzie Hughes' name, like when he can get hot at the right time and he can go on a run, he can do it mm -hmm. with the best of them. Um, so I, I like him coming out of that one. That's a big shout out for me there. Uh, and then Tyrrell Hatton, one of my favorite golfers, the way he wears it. Now that goes against everything that I said about Rom and picking <laughs> Tyrrell Hatton, but I don't care for just for some reason what what Hatton seems to be doing. It seems to be working recently. Um, and I just shout out to the to, to the tour and the, the the WGC for setting it up with him and Matt Wallace, two of the European tours, angry golfers in the same group. Um, I, I thought that was a fun one for our Wednesday matches that we're going to see. But that's what I kind of have in the top left area there. That whole group, the way it worked out with Terrell Hatton, Lee West, with Sergio Garcia and Matt Wallace is gold. I could I would pay to subscribe just to watch those four guys. Play they did a great job setting up the pools and the brackets and stuff for all this. I, I think it looks fantastic right now. 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. I decided I, I had a couple cherry assignments. I'm not going to lie. I spent one day just like sitting on the hillside next to the seventh tee for about four hours, just watching guys hit gap wedges and sand wedges down there and taking in the scene and writing about that for Golf Week. One of the other things I had an opportunity to do was hang out for about two hours behind 17 Green. And I forget if it was Friday or Saturday and, and, and what all was going on, but um, Terrell Hatton comes in there, misses like a six foot putt to try and save a par, taps in for bogey, um, picks up the ball, whips the finger at the hole, um, and mutters words that my boss and your boss will not let us. Um, they ran with truck, um, at the, at the hole said that the greens were an absolute blanking abomination to have in a major championship. And, um, he is the only person who... I heard say anything even remotely negative about the golf course and about Pebble Beach that week. Clearly didn't set well with him. He ingratiated it, needless to say. He ingratiated himself as a and I became a fan right away. Yeah. I was just like, this guy is a basket case. I must yeah. watch as much Terrell Hatton golf as possible. Um, I have Dustin Johnson. I went with Sung JM. I, I just think the steadiness right. yep. is is gonna be tough. I'm going with Paul Casey over Webb Simpson. Um, okay. I, I think that PC is a veteran of this format, a veteran Ryder Cup player, really coming into some nice form, has been playing well. And I think that if you give him, 
you know, three matches that he's mm-hmm. going to win two of them. And I think that the Webb Simpson, Paul Casey match could be fantastic. Um, Webb Simpson leading the tour basically uh, in some of the categories, actually the, let's see here. If I take a look um, at, at the one that I'm really was, was interested in here, number of birdies going through here. Yeah. He's, he's number one. I mean, like this, this guy is, is it. Yeah. I just like Paul Casey and I'm willing to go out on that limb. If we go right below yeah. them, I've I've got coming out of that Bryson DeChambeau, um, Will Zalatoris. I'm taking Victor Hovland um out of his yeah. group. And then I'm going with Billy Horschel to to come through and and knock off Morikawa. Now I said I wouldn't be surprised if Colin wins that. I'm yeah. taking Billy Horschel. I, I think that we have to have upsets in here. I think this is you know something that is there aren't going to be many times when players can go one-on-one and you can focus on just one guy. And Morikawa mm-hmm. is going to have a bullseye on his back. He's yep. a major champion. He's a PGA Tour winner multiple times at this point. And I think that Billy Horschel is going to be tougher than a $4 state. And I just am looking at Billy Horschel as being the guy. Um, I almost went with Max, but I'm going to take Billy yeah. Horschel. Who, who do you have down in that group? Uh, down there, uh, Bryson getting out of the first one. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty clear cut. Tommy Fleetwood might give him a little run, but I think he's got a pretty mm-hmm. easy way to get through. Uh, I also have Will Zalatoris going through the way he's been able to play over the last year. Um, he just seems like he just keeps getting better and keeps improving. I think this is kind of one of those, you know, stages where he can really step out and say, I'm going to be one of these guys for the long term going forward. Um, I actually even have a little spoiler of it. I might have him beating Bryson in the next round after that little, mm-hmm. little, little tease for us to get to there. But I like Will in this setup here. Um, I got Abe Answer going over Victor Hovland, and that was really tough for me because I think Victor Hovland is one of the great young players. Uh, he in a, in a match play format, I think he's gonna you know disarm you with his kindness. He's gonna have that smile. He never gets down on himself. And playing against that for eighteen holes, like that has to get grueling. Like seeing him always yeah. smile, never getting down on himself, like that has to wear on you. Um, I've seen him play match play at the NCAA championships back when he was at Oklahoma State. He's a gamer. This dude can play. Uh, so it was tough for me not having him. But what I saw Abe Answer do at the President's Cup, like he is no stranger to the big moment. Um, he loves playing in these big tournaments. I think he likes having that kind of um, target on his back. I think it would be fitting if his first win came at a big event like this for what we've seen from him. And then at the bottom there, it's tough to pick someone that's not Colin Morikawa. I absolutely hear you on Billy Horschel. absolutely hear you on Max. But the, the way Colin's been playing recently, I got him coming through mm-hmm. pretty easily. So let me go up to the upper section there. Um mm-hmm. Justin Thomas, Louis Ustazen, Kisner, Kucher, we've already talked about. I, through the whole section there, that top right, I've got Justin Thomas. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth. I, um, I know Matthew Fitzpatrick has been really hot. He's also been really not closing the deal. Um, yeah. And I, I hate when guys play really well. I'm sure they do too. But but don't close the deal. And you end up with players who end up being more famous for what they don't win and more well-known yeah. for what they don't win than what they do win. And Jim Furyk, bless his heart, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and is one of the all-time good guys. You can make an argument. I've made this argument that Jim Furyk ends up being remembered more for the things he almost won and almost did. Um, I remember at Oakmont, 2000, I believe it was 2007, when he almost won a second mm-hmm. U.S. Open, should have. Um, there have been other times he almost won, certainly could have. The 2012 U.S. Open at Olympic that was mm-hmm. won um, yeah. by, by Webb Simpson, he was right in the mix there. A lot of people forget 2006, Jim Furyk misses a five-foot putt that would have gotten him into a playoff at Wingfoot with Jeff Ogilvy. Had a chance there. He was in that group. There are a number of different cases where um, that 
is tremendously good stuff. It's frustrating, yeah. and I think that we're we're getting into the point at this point where Fitzpatrick needs to win relatively soon, yeah. or else he's going to fall into this Tony Finau category. I don't think he has much as talent as Tony Finau does. No. I think the upside is way higher than Tony. Patrick Cantlay, and then I'm going to take in a little bit of an upset Joaquin Neiman to beat out Patrick Reed, uh, yeah. who's the seven. Neiman being the 26, I believe, um, coming out of there. So I've got JT Spieth. Cantlay and Neiman. What says you in that uh, in that top column? I love all of those, but we're we're going to disagree on the bottom too. Uh, JT getting through pretty easily. I also have Jordan Spieth just because I want to see him and JT play against each yeah. other in that next round. Same I think way. that's just going to be pure entertainment. Uh, yep. I'm not sure if Jordan's going to get through. My first thought going through, I had Matt Fitzpatrick getting through just mm -hmm. because I'd like to see him finally, like like you said, do something, come out and really really show something here. But I'm just speaking into existence. I want to see JT and Jordan. Uh, I got Hideki coming out over over Patrick Cantlay. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just so something was looking at it. It's just called, looking for some sort of upset to come through. Uh, just something about Cantley's game just has, has it never really stuck with me. I know he's great. He's a fantastic player. He's got talent out the wazoo. But just going through those three matches like that, I, I think it's going to be tough for him to to maybe squeak through there. Uh, I I wanted to pick Joaquin Neiman really bad. Uh, I've you know I, I, it's not that I didn't want to pick Patrick Reed, but just looking at the way he's been playing recently and his his kind of feel for the match play game. I think it's going to be really tough for a young guy like Neiman to come out and beat Patrick Reed. I think almost any other top seed in that bracket, looking at a lot of the other guys, I think Neiman's got a real chance to get through. Um, but it's just tough when he's matched up against Patrick Reed, who's one of the better match play players of the last decade, probably. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of the time when Hideki Matsuyama made a really important putt. Um, might take you a while. I don't think we have enough time on the podcast um, for that. Yeah, one. I was going to say that's my whole point. I, I can't yeah, go with the next. I, I completely hear you. Yeah. Until he's until we we literally need to pass the hat and take up a collection to get him some putting lessons or something. It's do. It, it is it is an abomination to be as good a ball striker as he is, and he yeah. has been for a decade, and he can't putt. And yeah. and I wonder how much of it's in his head. So the next time that he's over a six footer to save par uh, in a match that he really needs, that's a problem for me. Let and me yeah, ask you about I, that. Yeah. Real quick, so go, going through on that, I guess obviously, you know, like you said, you know, you know way more about the ins and outs of the games and the day to day stuff like that with these tour pros like that. So is that kind of like a Shaq shooting free throws sort of thing? Obviously, it's different because Shaq was so huge, the ball is so light. That's the one thing. It's it's really tough to loft that thing when you're that big in. But when you're a professional athlete and you know that that's one of your biggest struggles, and yet you still year after year after year continuously struggle, like how does that happen? I Especially when you have all these coaches, all these instructors, and you have all the technology that shows you what you're doing wrong. Like, how does that happen? It's got to be all inside the head, right? I, I think I think a big part of it is inside the head, and psychologically it does. You, you develop the scar tissues, and, and you, you know a lot of people have talked about. I think philosophically, what makes Matsuyama such a great ball striker is that he has a very unique swing. We see the the delay and the hitch up at the top, and that's his move, and he owns that move, and, and he is really good with that move. The problem for Hideki Matsuyama is I see it, and I don't have a whole lot of inside information. It's just what people on the tour have told me about. Yeah. It is much too mechanical approach to putting, and I think you can get good at putting through a lot of that stuff. I think that he is it, – it sounds like from what I'm hearing, he takes away his athleticism and takes away the flow um, mm -hmm. from his putting, and that holds him back. And that is what makes him – really, really good as a ball striker. And sometimes I think you see this where guys, if they're putting, if they go into a little bit of a low with the putter, if it cools off, there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. Number one, you just keep putting. And this is what Brad Faxon has told me. You're, you're going to miss, but yeah. really good putters 
anticipate the ball going in every single time and they have a short memory, sort of like a relief pitcher. They, they may give yeah. up a home run, but then they're going to strike out the next like six guys they see because yeah. they just don't care. It just falls off their back. It's Dustin Johnson's greatest attribute, in my opinion, is, yeah. is that short attitude. memory. Yeah. So I think that Hideki Matsuyama at some point or another got really mechanical with the putting and it probably is something that, as you're alluding to, it gets in your head that it's going to be really challenging. You may not expect to make. You start thinking and playing stroke instead of outcome. You know, you, you just – everything that starts to go wrong. And I think that he has gone down a very bad path with that. You can't be such a great athlete, which obviously he is, to be able to have that full swing move. At some point, he just needs to relinquish control and just let, let his athleticism do the talking. And I yeah. don't see his putting stroke being that way. Sergio Garcia has fallen into this at times. <laughs> and now we've seen him recently hit putts with his eyes closed. That is a conscious move to let his natural athleticism take over. Jordan Spieth, for a while, if you may recall a few years ago, was looking at the hole while yeah. stroking putts, which I have run a study that proved you actually putt better especially from long distance with your eyes looking at your target rather than looking down at the ball. Your body and your brain work better when we actually look at the target. When you're shooting a free throw, like the aforementioned Shaq, you don't watch and look at the ball the entire time, glance up, and then look at the ball as you're throwing. You look where your target is, and you and you yeah. go ahead and then shoot. Just every everything that we do, you throw a football. Quarterback isn't looking at the ball when they throw it to a wide receiver. They're looking where they want the ball to go. Well, putting is the same thing. And there have been studies that prove that we actually putt better. Now, most people aren't willing to do that because they think they're going to look foolish. I get it. Um, on long distance putts, many times I will go while looking at the hole or looking where I want the ball to go. You're not going to whiff, which is really yeah. interesting. Um, and you often end up having a better quality stroke because the putter goes simply through the zone. And you're not anticipating the hit. And there's a couple things that actually happen there. So I, long story sort of finally truncated here and, and, and shortened up because I've rambled, is um, I think Matsuyama's, it's in his head. I yeah. think he's way too mechanical. And I think the best thing that would happen for him is just to relax, relinquish control over that, and just putt. Yep. Just putt as if you would, you expect to make everything, and then all of a sudden they're going to start to fall. I, I think that's what happens. Let's take a look at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Um Interesting at the top was Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler, Jason Day, Andrew Sullivan. I went with Scheffler. Then I took yep. Cam Cameron Smith, um, Daniel Berger, and then I've got the aforementioned John Rahm. What says you, low right? We're going to differ here. Uh, I got Xander going through. Um, I think he, yeah. he he likes these big moments as well. I know I've said that a lot about these guys, but a lot of the yep. guys who who have played well in big moments. Um, he didn't win in 2020. Um, his he's, he's got it. Like I said, let's look at these wins here. I know I wrote them down. But, but, but yeah, he's tour championship, WGC, HSBC champions, century tournament of champions. He didn't win in 2020. I think he's going to be looking to get back in the winner's circle or at least making a, making a run and contending here. So I like Xander coming out of the front one. Um, I think it was either him or him or Scotty Scheffler are the two to pick from. I think Cam, if anyone's going to beat Rory, I think it was going to be Cam Smith. I don't think Poulter can give him a run, though. I do love the fact that we're getting both of them on Wednesday yeah. in one of the early matches. That's going to mm -hmm. be a fun one. Normally those two pairing up against each other to, to, to make Americans mad. And now we're going to get to see them playing against each other, which is fun. Uh, so I got Rory going through there. Uh, DB straight five and Daniel Berger got him going through pretty easily. And then I got Shane Lowry going through and taking out John Rahm mm. and moving on, mainly because I think I just want to speak into existence. I want to see him and Rory in the round after that one too. I'd like to see that one going further. 
Um, but I got Shane Lowry making a, a bit of a run here. Um, he's right. a gamer. He's strong. He's contended in his last two events and played well. Um, he can play well in the big moments like we've seen before. Obviously, it's only been really in the Open Championship. Um, and honestly, like I just said, I really speak in him and Rory into his into existence. I'd like to see that. It's March. We're seeing crazy things happen. Um, there got to be some upsets in the bracket. We can't go all chalk throughout the way. So that's just one that I looked at. And for some reason, in my brain, I thought, huh, Shane Lowry could do this, I think. So not not, not too much great in-depth analysis with putting your stats there. Just more of a feel thing. But, hey, we're picking brackets. I mean, what, I what, say, what I do mean, you expect? You know, come on. I mean, what, what, what are we doing here? It's brackets. Of course, whatever we say is going to get busted. I would imagine, you know, by Thursday, we're, we're already going to look like fools, which is pretty much like any typical Thursday. Um, all right. So I'm going to go down the list. Uh, actually, let's let you, you're the guest, you go down the list. Uh, give me your matchups that, as you've got them. And then who do you have getting through um, into your semifinals? So what will end up being your final four. So, for example, I've got DJ um, beating Sun JM. And then I've got Paul Casey being Terrell Hatton with Dustin Johnson then advancing to the final four. What do you have up in the top? I have... Uh, I got DJ getting through to the finals. I got him going through Tyrrell Hatton in the quarters to get to the semis. And then I have him beating Colin Morikawa in the semis to get into the final. I've got Colin and Will Zalatoris there in that quarterfinal matchup mm-hmm. with Colin beating Will. Uh, I think DJ and Morikawa, I think that's obviously all chalk to get through. But, man, like, I, golf fans need to see that. <laughs> golf <laughs> fans need to see that. I think that would be awesome to see to get through for sure. I, I like and, it. I like it. I like it a lot. I, I've got over there, I have Will Zalatoris as well. I think we're yeah. both feeling the power of the Z-Man. Um, and I've got him facing Victor Hovland with Hovland beating yeah. Billy Horchel. And then I've got Javi getting through to the final four, and he will be going up against Dustin Johnson. And I think the contrast between Hovland, who the next time he misses two fairways in a tournament will be the first time. I mean, that guy yeah. is just straight as an arrow. As long as he doesn't have to chip. You just keep him away from shots that were <laughs> 10 yards. But he hits a lot of greens. He's been making some pots. I love his iron game. I love his steadiness. I love his attitude. Um, so I've got DJ and Hovland. What do you have up in the top right? So you, you're going to get, I'm assuming, your, your Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas match. Who wins that one? JT. No question. Um, I, I, I'd like to see Jordan come through and do it at some point. I think he's still building on what he's doing. But the, the, the way Justin's been able to play recently coming off that player's win, like it looks like after his, you know, all of the blowback that he had from his slur that he dropped and all that, it's time to move past that. You know, he's, he, he's, he's spoken on it enough. It's time to get through it. Let's get back to golf. Um, I hope he keeps, you know, and he follows up on all the things that he said he was going to do for all of that. Great. Let's play some golf now. Um, I think he's, he's truly back in his, in his, the, the right mindset for a match play tournament like that. So I got JT going through there. Uh, and my quarterfinals down below, I've got, like I said, speaking into existence, Rory and Shane Lowry. Uh, Rory coming through, setting up an awesome semifinal match of JT and Rory. We give me Justin Thomas in that one. So my finals are going to look like uh, Dustin Johnson versus Justin Thomas with my third-place match of uh, Colin Morikawa versus Rory McIlroy. And if we get that, man, what a treat that's going to be this weekend, having that on Saturday and yeah. Sunday. Too much chalk to hope for, unfortunately. Way there. too much. Way too, too much. much but I, but a, a, a golf fan can dream for the best outcome. Like I, it, it, won't, is, it won't happen, but, man, I hope so. This is the tournament where you dream because we do love to see head-to-head matchups. We do want to see that stuff. I have Jordan Speed beating Justin Thomas. I, I think um, a little bit of hand of destiny comes into here. Yeah. If, if I were playing in a match, the last person I want to see is Jordan Speed, guy who's won three major championships, yep who is starting to play well and is believing in himself. 
who putts great and seems to be finding more fairways and dialing in the honors. I want yeah. no piece of that. Um, no. I think Justin Thomas has the ability to run the table, go perfectly through pod play and win this entire thing and lap the field. Yep. There is a chance that he can be tripped up. And I think that coming out of playing uh, against the other guys in his group, Kistner, Kucher, Ustazen, the time to trip him up, if he's going to trip up, I think comes right out of there where you've got to play a couple of different matches in a relatively yep. short period of time. Spieth gets through his, I think, um, through there. I've got Patrick Cantlay playing against Jordan Spieth um, and Cantlay then advancing. Um, that that talent with Patrick Cantlay, I would buy all day, every day. I would I would buy him the way I wish I had bought Amazon back in like <laughs> 2009 or 2010. Um, yeah. I've got Cameron Smith beating Scotty Scheffler. Whoa. I've got Cam Smith beating Scotty Scheffler. And then I have I like Daniel it. Daniel Berger beating John Rahm. Um, okay. yeah. So then I've got Cam Smith, Daniel Berger, low right, and I've got Berger making it through there. So my final four is Patrick Cantlay, Daniel Berger, Victor Hovland, and Dustin Johnson, which is not – the dream scenario final four that, that most golf fans would have, but totally feels like what we end up with every single year. We're not going to get the four top seeds through. Yeah. We know that that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I'm taking a look at these different things and Patrick Cantlay, um, if you take a look, ranks third in birdie to bogey ratio on the PGA tour behind only Webb Simpson and Justin Thomas. He is making a little over two birdies for every bogey that he gives up. So that's that's really good. He's so far this year made 180 birdies or better and only 84 bogeys. Um, that's 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 really good. Daniel Berger ranks T6 in that category. So yeah. these are this is to me like if you're going to take a look at these things because lots of different stuff doesn't matter in match play. You can yep. shoot an eight on a hole. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Give, give me the guys who are going to go flag hunting a lot mm -hmm. when they don't make birdies, when they don't make eagles, they're not going to throw a big number on the board um, because you get to expunge that out. Those are the guys, the top 10 in that, for those of you playing at home, and I know you are, um, birdie to bogey ratio. Number one goes Webb Simpson, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantley, Russell Henley is in there, which Weird. I was surprised with. Bryson DeChambeau, Daniel Berger, Joaquin Neiman, Ryan Palmer. God, if Ryan Palmer could just pot, my gosh, come on, <laughs> wrong. he would just like be dominated. John Rahm, Cameron Smith. So there's there's our guy, Cam Smith. So You're those making me rethink a lot of my picks now after saying all this stuff. I'm sticking with it, though. I'm, I'm holding the line. I'm sticking with it. I, go ahead. I mean, because this is the way that, I mean, like, it feels like we're still to some degree in 2020. Things are getting yeah. better in the world, which is awesome. But um, then coming through there, I've got Dustin Johnson beating Victor Hovland. Um, yeah. I would love to see Hobby just, he. I mean, it, it, he should have been in cast somewhere in Daisy and Confused. And I love him for that. <laughs> it's just the grin is the best. Um, then I've got Patrick Cantley beating Daniel Berger. Um, yeah. And then I, I think the potential for some really, really high quality stuff. If you get Dustin Johnson and Patrick Cantley both playing well, you've yeah. got guys who make plenty of pots, who drive the hell out of the ball, who stripe it from the fairway. Mm -hmm. They really don't have any resounding weaknesses. I've got to go with Dustin Johnson. So yes, I end up with Chalk, with the world's number one yeah. player. And 
my only concern is that Dustin Johnson shows up at this thing, wants to play well, and really doesn't care one way or the other because his mind is already in Georgia, and in two weeks from now, he's thinking about the Masters. And do I really care about winning another WGC event? Okay, that's great. The money doesn't matter to him. The accomplishment and knowing he's playing well. It's hard to imagine somebody winning this event, taking the next week off, presumably, or, or, or playing, and then winning the Masters. And I think if yeah. you ask Justin Johnson, like, where's his focus? Most players would want to win a WGC event. An, an event like this that's match play gives you, I think, a lot of clout and a lot of swag sure. in the locker sure. room. TJ didn't care because he's got his U.S. Open at Oakmont. He's won the, the, the fall Masters. I think that the idea of being the only player to ever win two Masters within like six or seven months um, is a really unique thing. And I think he wants to win the Masters a lot. Yeah, I so agree. He, he's in a, a position where he can use this tournament to feel some pressure, to test yeah. his game, and to come through that. That's the only thing that, that I see is holding Dustin Johnson, you know, potentially as, as being bad for him in, in this tournament. Um, I still have him winning because I think that he can beat just about any player with his, like, B-plus, A-minus game. Sure. I don't think he needs A-plus stuff. So um, who, do, who do you have winning again? I'm sorry. DJ, I got DJ going through and winning it's, as well. Um, saying all that, but I, I just, just, just looking at the matchups and stuff, like, do I think, I think he, if anything, I think he's going to get tripped up well before the finals. But if he, but just looking at the bracket and looking at the way it all stacks out, he should win all of those. Now, will he? Probably not. Uh, uh, realistically, probably not. Like you said, just, you don't see a guy win two weeks before going, going to win at the, going to win at the Masters or even contending there. So all of that realistically makes sense. What I love that you said is, and what I love about your picks is there's a lot of younger guys mixed in there. And what I'm curious is about is what we're going to see is like in, a, in an event like the Ryder Cup, you want guys with experience in match play in that way because you want to be able to them to handle the moment. And in a match play event like this, I might be more inclined to pick a younger guy who, like you said, is going to make a lot of birdies, is going to go flag cutting, is going to say, who cares if I make a seven on this hole? That's only one hole down. I can still go out and make a three or mm -hmm. a two on the next hole and still really give a run at this. So I would like to say, I think I'd like to see a, a, one of the younger guys, maybe not as much experience, like, like a Hovland, like a Sung JM. Like I think one of those guys could could make a run through to the end here looking at it on top of all the guys who are the precision iron players like we talked about earlier. I think it's both of us also taking a look at Will Zaltoris and seeing that like yeah. I think that he is still not a name that's on a lot of people's radar. He And he should, should be. be. He yeah, should be. He's, yeah. he's he's really, really good. He's right now yeah. number 43 in the world. Um he's got some top tens going so far this season. He's not a great putter. And again, in match play, you you would love to see a guy who can really make putts. Um, strokes gain statistics don't mean quite as much in match play because you're not playing the field. You're playing against one person. That yep. said, he's 107th in strokes gain putting. It's barely positive right now. Um, his short game is okay. It's not great. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. He ex he excels with the irons from the fairway. That's yep. really and, – and off the tee. That, that's where he makes his money. And when you pick a guy like him, what you're saying is like, I'm betting he has a hot putting week. I'm yep. betting that he figures out a way because I know that the irons and the driver travel. Mm -hmm. is, the, is, the, is he going to pack the putter? Is he going to show up? If he does, he can take anybody out in the field. And he'll be yeah. cocky. He's 24. He's had such a positive wave over the last two years that um, there's a lot to like about his game. But I could just as easily see it implode. I, I mean, you know, he, he's in a group with Tony Fino, Jason Kokrak, um, and Dylan Fratello. 
Kokrak is sneaky too. And Kokrak is, is good, and, and there's every reason to think that Tony Finau will, of course, make it to the final of this and then lose, um, because that's basically been his MO for the last, oh, I don't know, like three or four years. Yeah. Um, and could Dylan Fratelli get out of there? Yeah, absolutely. So sure. that's, I think, a sneaky, tough group. Last player um, in, absolutely. That's that that's got storyline written for it all over for Fratelli, yeah. for Fratelli in there for sure. Yeah, I mean, if it, if UCLA can go through the playing game and all of a sudden they're in the Sweet Sixteen, <laughs> why the hell can Dylan Fratelli make it into this? Um, it's March. Yeah, interesting stuff. So thank you very much. Good stuff from you uh, there, Mister Woodard. What are you going to be working on this week? What do you got? To, what are your plans for GolfWeek.com? We are all in on the college coverage now. We are getting crazy with this. We're going to have some. We'll have uh, obviously with the match play this week. We just talked about. I'll have I'll have uh, daily you know matches to watch. We'll be ranking the top five to awesome. go through there. But like like you know, I'm not sure a lot of the followers know. My main coverage is the college and amateur beat, and then I moonlight on the tour to fill in the gaps and stuff. Where when Steve and Shoop are either doing other stuff or they're busy. So a lot of college and amateur stuff. We're getting crazy. We're getting getting down to the end of the the regular season here and in the conference tournaments. And uh, I'll tell you what, I could not be more excited for where college golf is right now. There's about 10 different teams on both the men's and women's side to give myself a little plug here that can win the national championship. So if you're, if you're golf crazy, looking for it, start getting into, you know, the NCAA college golf right now. Uh, we're going to have the championships at the end of May. They're going to be broadcasted. Uh, well worth watching. There are some really good teams and the future of the PGA and LPGA are out there. And like we've seen with a lot of the guys coming off, a lot of the, especially the ladies as well, you know, they're winning early and they're contending early as soon as they go from college to the pros. So the next Will Zalatoris is the next Colin Morikawa's, Matthew Wolves, Victor Hovlins. They're playing right now and they're going to be in the pros soon. So tune into college golf. Give these people the, the the respect that they deserve. Start following along. It's a hell of a lot of fun. But I uh, appreciate you having me on as always. Happy to fill in. Like I, but like I always say, whenever I'm the last call, I'm happy to step in when uh at, at the bottom of the list whenever you need someone to fill in. So yeah, happy to you in your spot. Good stuff. All right, Adam, thanks very much. And we'll look forward to having you on the floor press again real soon. My man, appreciate it. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.